Hello and welcome back to Roots and Branches, episode 10. This is Paul Arnberg, your podcast host with Pastor Brent Cumberland. We are at New Life Evangelical Free Church here in Hastings, Minnesota. It is episode 10, but we consider this like a bonus episode because we're going to be focusing on a phenomenon in the spirit, we believe, that has been going on in Kentucky, namely at Asbury College in Kentucky. And so it's been a wonderful thing to see. Understandably, there's some questions, but nonetheless, we're going to address that as a body of believers. What's going on in Asbury? So Brent, what have you heard or read about this revival, as they some are calling it a revival, maybe even they wouldn't necessarily call it that. It's been about a two-week-long prayer meeting, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fascinating to, to kind of read about and watch. Um, I mean, I haven't watched the chapel services or really dug into it in, in great detail, but have um, just listened to some others who have described what is happening. Um, I, you know, what I wanted to do in this kind of simple bonus episode is just talk about how do we as believers um, think about uh, movements of God like this. And, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of chatter online and skepticism on one side and people just so excited on the other. And how do we think about it biblically? So uh, just a couple things to tee that up is... Um, there's, I, w- I just want to make sure we're really clear on the front end. There's a huge difference between movements of God as, as we see um, him bringing people to repentance and confession and worship and closeness to Jesus and the gospel being preached. There's, there's genuine movements like that. And then there's a thing that's called revivalism. Mm-hmm. And so there's, a, I just want to be, say that out loud right up on the front end. Um, there's a difference between genuine movements of God, a revival, a renewal, and on one hand, and on the other hand, a revivalism, and revivalism can really be like trying to conjure up closeness to God and experiences and making people, and sometimes almost manipulatively, uh, uh, try and force a way of uh, of experiencing God. And like revivalism has lots and lots of problems and is not a good thing. But on the one hand, we want to be honest about times when God is, is really calling people to uh, confession, repentance, and faith. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I would say, I think he's always calling us to those three things. And certain seasons are more acute than others, uh, such as a loss. When uh, there's a death, there's an illness, there is a job loss, there's some other malady. And of course, here at New Life, we've had a lot of those in the last year or so. In fact, just the other day, you and I were talking about the spiritual warfare that can often accompany a new calling of God. Uh, But nonetheless, if there's any special time where the Lord calls us to confession, to deeper sense, of knowing him and also a deeper sense of fellowship. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, but like you said, we can't conjure that up or manufacture that. It has to be, I think, the, the baseline is a disciplined awareness and an openness to the Lord through scripture, through prayer, through fellowship, through teaching, uh, but then waiting on the spirit to give his fresh outpouring as we are obediently following him on a daily basis. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with a desire in your heart to see God do new, th- like a revival or, or a movement of his spirit to call people to repentance. And Amen. I just want to make sure it, it's tricky because revivalism can be kind of uh, twisted, but s- desiring and seeking the Lord is so deeply biblical and important for us. And it, so just as far as like, how do we understand this from scripture? Um, some of the things that to, to start off with a biblical foundation, uh, you and I were talking before the show here that there's some examples of this in scripture that we can help give us shed some light on this. Yes. Um, one of them is from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It's when Josiah 
recovers the law, like yes. finds the books of the law and reads them aloud to the people of God. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about that and just how that went and what we see in scripture there? Well, Josiah being a remarkable king, he was eight years old and he became king. And then I think he was probably still a young man in his 20s where he, I think, commissioned uh, the not the revival of the temple, but, but getting back to the basics. And if I'm not mistaken, Brent, it was under Josiah that they celebrated Passover for the first time since before the days of King David, which is amazing that all the way through the great kings like David and Solomon, they didn't even do Passover. So, uh, But the onus of that was Josiah had the priest read the word. And uh, I believe, uh, I'm going from memory here, but I believe Josiah tore his clothes about what they had been neglecting in the word of God, and that led to the authentic celebration of Passover, which of course was uh, when the Jews were set free from the slavery in Egypt. And the, the pivotal point of the word of God having been neglected for hundreds of years, at least in the whole council of God, there are of course uh, the, the echoes of uh, Mosaic law and uh, and all what Israel was passed down to through giving of the law in that time of the uh, earliest patriarchs. Uh, but the, the law being pivotal in the righteous reign of Josiah, which actually was only two generations before the exile, that was something that we all could learn from. The word of God has to be our foundation for any sort of revival of our hearts. Yes. Amen. And what's fascinating about that, just to like read the actual passage. Yes, thank you. If you're, for if you're looking in your own, if you got your own Bible there and you're listening, 2 Kings 22 and 23 is where we find this story. And uh, Josiah, it says, was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. Uh, as you go through this passage, what happens is they find the, the, the books of the law <laughs> recovered. And verse 11 says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Yes. There's this sense of being cut to the heart. It reminds me of what happened in the book of Acts mm. when Peter, right after Pentecost, he stands up to preach. And as he's speaking to this crowd of people, it, the, the text describes how the people were cut to the heart. Yes. And 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 they said, what must we do to be saved? And 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 he he you see these thousands of people are called to repentance and faith and trust in the Lord Jesus because when God's truth is proclaimed in the Holy Spirit's power yes then there's like there's you get cut to the heart yeah absolutely. it's just beautiful cuts through all the chafe of of religiosity and about our own sense of self-righteousness. And Acts 2.38, I have it open here when it says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized any, every one of you, not any, but every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And that reminds me of, I like associating uh, verse numbers, even though they're not inspired, they are added later by first the Jews and then the and then the Christians, but uh, both Matthew 3.8 and Luke 3.8 have verbatim, at least in the ESV, repent, or excuse me, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So when we talk about true revival, again, not revivalism, which is kind of a manufactured, conjured up revival, but to be revived in our spirit, and I also think of Psalm 119 talks a lot about revive me according to your word. Yes. True revival is accompanied by repentance and bearing fruit. Yes. There's a consistency or a, a, a life change, real transformation that happens. And we see that in these two biblical examples, of course. Um, but it, so just to get down to some observations, I think, of what's happening uh, in the last few weeks at Asbury is um, the way it was described as I was listening and hearing about it is you've got uh, this undergraduate college and at least this person I talked or I was listening about it said it's one of these situations where a lot of these undergrad students 
Gen Z, very distracted, mm. very on, on digital media, like just living in the lonely, uh, distracted, anxious culture that we're in. You know, going to chapel is something that's required. Yes. And so the students go. I think three days a week, I heard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Three three times a mm-hmm. semester, I think. Is oh, a semester. Works, something wow. like that. Not yeah, even a week. You, you no, know, you, you like have to just go a handful of times okay. it's required as being a student. And what ends up happening at this particular moment, this is February 8th, uh, is a regular chapel service. Someone preached out of uh, a, a kind of an average sermon, it was, it was told, out <laughs> of um, Romans chapter 12. Yes. Preached the gospel, called people to repentance and said, do you really know God's love? Do you know his mm. love through Jesus Christ for you as he died for you? Um, the students didn't leave, and they, they, they wanted to, to sit in that and think about it, ponder it. They started praying, and, and it sort of precipitated, and many of you have read the stories, it's precipitated in the students just like streaming into the chapel. They, didn't, they never left. They did it all night, all the next day, for days upon days, and thousands of people start coming. And the way it's described is they're reading God's word aloud. Mm-hmm. And as the word is read, the whole crowd will say, someone will say, this is the word of the Lord. And the crowd will say, we believe that it's true. Wow. That's like that simple. It's like God's words being read aloud. There's a a distinct sense of repentance where there's confession of sin. There's a, a, a desire to be close to Jesus. It's not like charismatic. There's no like miracle kind of things going on that's sort of flashy. There's nothing flashy about mm-hmm. it from what I'm hearing. And, and the leaders are saying that their themes of what they're seeing happen is a, a call to humility, to purity of heart, and to hunger for God. Mm-hmm. And wow. Uh, and, and, and there's this reverence and uh, desire for Jesus. And it's not showy. They said it's orderly and it's really Jesus-centered. And, and it just sounds like, um, you know, you, you want to see like how these things play out, you know, but it sounds like God's really moving in this situation and his word and the gospel of Jesus Christ is central. And it's resulting in people being like, I'm on holy ground right now. That's yes. cool. So those three words you just said, humility, purity of heart, and a hunger for God, that really resonates with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, yeah. that uh, blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth, blessed are the pure of heart, they shall see God, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So whenever we see the real life iterations of, let's say, interpreting a, a, what we call a holy event, where the Lord is really present and moving and active, if it corroborates with God's word, it likely is of the spirit. Whereas if it's manufactured or conjured or flashy as a as a means, or sorry, flashy as an end rather than a means, yeah. we can't conjure up that. So I love to hear the, the uh, ratification of these experiences by the rock solid foundation of God's word, which is eternal and never changes. Yeah. Amen. So, you know, there's there's some times when when you start seeing news or if you're on social media, there's probably a lot of bickering about that. I'm not really on social media. I know you aren't I either, Paul. So no. like we're talking to two Luddites here, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there's probably a lot of, of, of conversation or potential, uh, you know, division about this. But let's just say um, we, we can we can watch and see uh, is is the gospel center, is Jesus center, is his word being proclaimed, mm-hmm. are people called to repentance and confession and faith, and, and you know, praise God. If that's happening, praise God. And of course, there's dangers. We already talked about revivalism. Yes. There's dangers that some people might want to co-opt this thing for their own sort of popularity or brand or whatever. Uh, I'm impressed by how some people are saying that the leaders of this don't even really want their names 
necessarily to be known because they wow. don't really care. It's not about them. And that just that helps to lend to some of the credibility of that. So one, I'll, I'll maybe just close with this because um, as we're reflecting on it, I was struck by uh, someone who attended a couple days of this uh, events at Asbury. He, he, he crystallized it in, in sort of four observations and because he's talking about the fact that this is really affecting an undergraduate college. These are Gen Z. These are young adults who are grown up in the very complicated, uh, very uh, compromised, uh, challenging, difficult, lonely, uh, anxious culture that we live yes. in. Yes. That is just, in a lot of ways, just rotting. Mm-hmm. And and this is what he says. He said that the distinct sense he got was that there's 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 three or four things that are really um, that are really showing that this is a movement of these young people in the midst of the needs that they uniquely have at this moment in our culture. So this is what he said. He said his first observation is that at Asbury today, there's a sense of peace for a generation experiencing unprecedented anxiety. Mm. He said there's a sense of togetherness in person, face-to-face, for a generation that's experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. Mm. He said that there's a humble leadership for a generation that's sick and tired of narcissism and abuse Mm -hmm. of of leadership. And he said, fourthly, there's a simple adoration and worship, just a cappella singing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm that for a generation that's frazzled by digital distraction, it's like people are, if (laughs) I love it because like people are putting their phones away and saying, I just want to be with Jesus right now. Yes. Like that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I I guess the the response for us is uh, to, to pray and anticipate and observe and, and rejoice when, when, uh, when the gospel is proclaimed and people confess their sin and come to him in faith and there's genuine worship happening. Um, I'm excited about that. And of course, you wait and see and test according to Scripture, right? Yes, absolutely. So. Well, in fact, you read my mind or the Holy Spirit connected us, Brent, because I, I have my Bible open to 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, in fact, I was only going to read verse 21, but if I may uh, give an exclamation point uh, with the biblical words to what you just said, first, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5 19 says, do not quench the spirit. So absolutely, we do not want to overly be critical of any movement of God that is is so public. And I think I I heard the stat, 50,000 Christians have come to Asbury to be part of this. And then verse 20 of 1 Thessalonians 5, do not despise prophecies, but, and here's the main verse I wanted to share, but test everything, hold fast what is good. So what we did at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about the Beatitudes and about the testimonies and revivalism versus true revival of the heart with repentance and confession and and bearing fruit in the Spirit. Uh, So we want to be discerning, but we also don't want to be cynics that would say, God can't move this way. Let's put God in a box. No, he's not in a box. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So praise God for any authentic thing that's going in Asbury. Rather than first think it being false, we are hoping that that it is a true movement of God, and we are looking to see the authenticity that will maybe uh, spread out throughout our country because we need it more than ever with uh, the days that we live in and yes. with least of the cultural battles of the post-Christian world in which we live. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Uh, maybe to, for, to, for me, just for my for myself, to put a fine point on it, mm-hmm. one of the folks I was listening to comment about this said something that really cut to the heart for me. Mm. 
They said at the end of the day, our hope is not in revivals. It's in the reviver. That's right. Yes. It's in the reviver. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, oh, come Lord Jesus to, to visit upon us by your spirit, uh, a movement of confession and repentance and trust in you as Lord and Savior. That's what we desire is to know the reviver. And yes. that's what we pray for in our midst. Yep. So, yeah, it's wonderful. Well, that'll wrap up this bonus episode of Roots and Branches. We've been talking about the Asbury Revival in Kentucky for the, uh, that's been happening in the middle of February 2023. We are going to be starting a new series pretty soon, but for the next couple of episodes, we're going to keep fleshing out what it's like to live in a post-Christian world here as we endeavor to live for the Christ with repentance, good works, and fruit in Jesus' name. 